0: Because we have covered a work perspective and a work teaching from a number of different points of view, a work room, work shoes, we've looked at this work as kind of like a mountain or part of this work is kind of like a mountain with like four faces. And we've looked at one face this way and then the north face and the south face and the east face and the west face. And each face is different. But because we've looked at that, we've seen different sides of the same issue. Now, I'd like to wrap that up and pull those things together, hopefully, so that we can have more of an understanding of what it's like for someone to approach this same mountain from a different face than we are approaching it. How we can recognize this same mountain when we approach it from a different face than we're now approaching it. We've been looking at the practical application of this work. Inner stop is one of the things I'd like to talk about this morning. It's a work phrase that means stopping impressions from taking a negative form inside of you. This is obviously something that happens internally although we, there is an exercise in the work where you stop and you actually stop externally as well. Someone says stop and you basically freeze your body, you freeze your movements. But a lot of people do that, but they don't make inner stop. <clears throat> they don't stop inside with whatever it was they were thinking, whatever it was they were feeling, whatever it was they were sensing. And they don't they don't make that stop. So I have found the exercise to be not as productive as other things. Now, I'm not saying the exercise isn't productive. I'm saying that for us, I have found that it is not as productive as other things that we're able to do. And this is part of seeing the same mountain from different sides. One group may be able to practice a stop exercise and get all kinds of benefit from it, whereas another group may not be able to practice that same exercise and get the same benefit from it. They may get benefit from it, but we have to determine what will benefit us, what will benefit our group. Where this work is difficult, is, and where this whole podcasting idea is difficult, is that we can't really know what those people listening should be doing. We can't really know what exercise will be the most efficient, the most effective for them. Jess, you'll remember that when the uh, time that you and Jennifer both asked a question, and there were similar questions, but I had to answer them differently based on who you are, what type of person you are, what type of person she is, and, and where you are. In a sense, you know, I don't see how this work can be done without a group, honestly. I don't see how it can be done. Now a group can be just another person who you're willing to allow into your life. And when I say allow into your life, I don't mean allow to come by and see you or write to you or call you on the phone or, or talk to you about things or question you about things. I mean allow into your being, to allow someone to approach your holy of holies. And this is a, a huge commitment for us because we don't trust anyone. We get married and we say we trust our, our spouse. But we don't trust our spouse. We have prenuptial agreements that prove that. We have divorce court that proves that. We have um, attorneys that prove that. We have private investigators who go and prove that we don't trust our spouse. We have our own doubting eyes that prove that we don't trust. Because we are not one, we can't trust another person. Because we don't know ourselves, we can't trust another person. If we do trust another person, it's just a matter of time before we don't trust that person because if we take ourselves as one, we're going to take them as one. If we take them as one, when they are incongruent or inconsistent, then we're going to be shattered, and then our trust will be shattered if it's based on the idea of unity in that person or unity in ourselves. Seeing a person that you don't like and allowing negative impressions to fall on you, accepting and identifying with those negative impressions This is what I mean, this is the time to make inner stop. Inner stop is useless if you're just sitting around having a great time with somebody. Inner stop is only necessary when it's necessary. And it's necessary when we are allowing negative impressions to fall on places inside of us. Specifically, I'm using this example about a person because mostly our problems are with people. Our problems are with people because we are people. And our problem is, my problem is me. I am my problem. But I will not see that. What I will see is other people as my problem. That's what I can be counted on to do. That's what you can be counted on to do. And we can also be counted on to lie about that. And we can be counted on to imagine that we are the only ones who are not lying about that. When somebody points it out, well, we can be counted on to lie about that. We can acquiesce and say, yes, we can be counted on to lie about that. And then we'll lie about it. And that's what we do but that's not easy to see you have to be able to look at yourself to see that and most people can't and that's why I say it helps in this work to work in a group something something has to come from outside of you if everything comes from inside of your system it's going to repeat forever something has to be introduced from outside that's why this work is so valuable and important that's the ventilation system that for hotel earth where the, the the ideas are breathed in. Higher ideas sea influences are breathed in from the conscious circle of humanity. Who are the conscious circle of humanity? Who cares? I don't care. It's the people who are awake and who got it. Those people. Well where are they? I don't care. It's not important to me. Well but it's important to me. Well then go find out. But what's important to me is to be one of them, not to know where they are. If your desire is to be a conscious person, to be part of the conscious circle of humanity, you'll find them. You don't have to worry about that. You'll find them because your desire will lead you to do the things that you need to do to become conscious. And your consciousness will draw you to the people who are conscious. As conscious as you are, that's why the people that we have in our lives are the people we're supposed to have in our lives. These are the people. These people. These unconscious people. But I'm more conscious than them. Well, no. These are the people. These are the people that you drew into your life because of your level of consciousness. Well, yes, but 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 I'm but, but I'm their teacher, so I'm more conscious than them, right? Right? <coughs> you know. So we're stuck here. This is it. Oh, I don't think I understand that. I don't think I understand anything. But every once in a while, I get this harebrained idea that I do understand something. Maybe I have this harebrained idea that I do understand something all the time, and every once in a while, I get this idea that I don't really understand <laughs> something. Maybe that's more like it. So let's let's take an example. We see somebody that we don't like, and we allow negative impressions to fall on us, whatever they may be. It may be old associations. It may be some tune running in our head about what they did to us or said to us or how they didn't do something or didn't say something to us. It doesn't matter what it is. It may be just a feeling, a sensation that rushes over the body. It may be just this uneasy feeling when the person comes into the room. It may be a thought that that attacks them, some something that they're wearing, or something that they do, or some aspect of their, their hairdo, or anything. It could be anything at all. It doesn't matter, any kind of impression that turns negative and falls on us. That's the time to be practicing inner stop. If we don't, eventually, we'll discharge the negative impressions on some person. It'll either be the person that we dislike or it will be some other person who's totally outside of that, has nothing whatever to do with that. We all have this experience. You're angry with the police officer who wrote you the ticket, but you can't tell him how angry you are because because you're so angry you'll go to jail. That's, you're, you're go to jail angry. You know, you're punch him in the nose angry, which is go to jail angry. Okay, so if you're go to jail angry, you don't tell him that. He's got a gun. He has pepper spray. He has handcuffs. He has the authority. He has this big cruiser. He can throw you in the back with his cage in the back. You know, and then he can drive you to jail. And if he can't do it alone, if you're bigger than him, then he can, he has a radio and he can just call 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or however many, 500 other people, and they can come and take you to jail. So it's if you go to jail angry and you know you go to jail angry, you don't tell him. You don't express your negative emotions on him. You go find someone safe. And you express your negative emotions there. It may be your wife or your husband or your child or an employee. It's someone, somewhere where you feel like you can express, you can discharge. That's really what it is. You can discharge all these negative impressions that you've been allowing to fall on you. If, on the other hand, you practiced inner stop with the police officer who was writing you the ticket and you didn't allow the negative impressions to fall on you well how can you possibly do that you're getting a ticket you're writing. he's writing a ticket and you were wrong you weren't wrong you didn't do it he got the wrong guy and blah 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 that's that's where you practice inner stop right there instead of arguing about it you just stop everything so inner stop is just stopping everything it's not arguing it's not it's not even really bringing the work ideas up and presenting them or filtering the incoming impressions through them. It's just stop. You're at a point where the best you can do is stop. Dislike is nourished by its food, and its food is our continual reception of unpleasant ideas about the person. It's the old computer thing, Gigo, remember that? Garbage in, garbage out, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. We allow negative impressions to come in. We allow negative impressions to come in. We allow negative impressions to come in. Eventually, they have to get out eventually they will make us negative and turn us to the point where they will have to come out. They will have to come out somehow. They will be discharged. Inner stop means don't allow the impressions to have an effect on you. Of course, that's easy to say. Okay, everybody, don't allow these negative impressions to have an effect on you. Right. Well, it's, it's great when you're not having any negative impressions. It's when you're having strong negative impressions and someone says, well, don't allow them to have an effect on you. Well, That just had an effect on me negatively. You know, it's like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what it's like. See, we get all negative about it. So we don't argue about them. We stop them inside. As an example, I asked Steve yesterday if I could use him as an example, and he said yes. So I'm not going to ask him again. I'm just going to launch right into the example, hoping that the same eye that agreed yesterday is somewhere around today. (laughs) And because we're in a work environment, I know it is because certain eyes come out in this environment. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us such wonderful liars. <laughs> here, here, all the best eyes that we have are all here. You know? And all the crummy little creepy mechanical eyes that ruin our lives. They don't show their heads around here because they're just afraid. We're waiting, like we're waiting like Caddyshack. Here we are with a golf club, you know, waiting for the gopher, the little negative mechanical eye, to stick its head up. Whack! We'll, we'll just drive that one to the to another golf course. The thing that came to mind was, I remember that Rebecca was talking to Steve one day. She was talking about Steve having a problem with her father, and she said, "You know, what's the problem?" And Steve. <laughs> said, I hate your father. I hate him. And Rebecca was like, tilt. (laughs) There was no answer for her. There was no way for her to address that. There was no way for her to, to digest that, to assimilate that. See, she just couldn't make that connect. She didn't have what it took to make that connection. She couldn't see how this person who she'd known her whole life could hate this other person who she'd known her whole life. She'd known them both her whole life. She couldn't see it. She couldn't not see it, but it's like, it doesn't, that's not the way it works here. That's not what we do. Why I'm using this as an example is because there came a point when Rebecca, really what she wanted to say to Steve was, well, stop it. What she really wanted to say to, her, 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 to Steve about hating her father was, well, stop it. Stop doing that. And that is exactly what she should have said. Had she been able to say it, had she been able to say, well, stop that. That's exactly what she should have said. And that's exactly what he should have done. We must make ourselves passive to life. We've got to stop this inside. Eventually, Steve had to come to the place where he said, this is no longer acceptable. Now, I can't stop it, but I am not going with it. It's not acceptable to me to hate this person. Whereas right up until that moment, it had been acceptable. But at that moment, he stopped it. Do you see the difference? He may not have stopped hating But in that moment, he said, this is not acceptable. That's when he stopped it. Then the house of cards has to come down because then the line has been drawn. Then the stake has been pounded into the ground. The chisel has chipped at the stone. Something has happened there. It may not be big, but something has happened. And that is the beginning. It's like poking a hole in a piece of black construction paper on the window. Once you poke that hole in there, the light from the other side starts coming through and once it starts coming through it starts making a difference it may not make the biggest difference in the world but it makes a difference and that hole will get bigger because that's what light does it eats up darkness things don't go as they're expected to go in life and it's understandable that we get upset our problem is that we stay upset see the problem was when Rebecca said well why do you what what's the problem with my dad I hate him sure that's okay so something happened that Steve didn't expect and he didn't like so Jess did something that Steve didn't like. He didn't expect. So life didn't go the way Steve expected it to go. And Jess was the delivery boy for that. That's all. See, in, in life, you've got to see this. You've got to see that it has nothing to do with the person out there. They're just the delivery boy. You're the one who ordered it. So the delivery boy comes up and he goes... Candy gram for Mr. Steve, you know, and you go, that's not a candy gram, get out of here. He takes out his hammer and, and he wants to hit him on the head. He wants to kill the guy with the candy gram. That's a stupid looking outfit. Anyhow, you're really a land shark. You know, it goes on and on and on. But the truth is, is you ordered that. Your consciousness ordered that. And this guy delivered. He delivered it for you. And thank God you found someone who would deliver what you ordered. Thank God that something in you cares enough about work cares enough about inner development, self-change, that you can find people who have the courage to deliver what you request, to deliver to your door what you order. Now, there are two ways to do that. Fortunately, this is a work person we're talking about. Steve and Jess work together, and I don't mean at some job somewhere. I mean in this work. They work together. Jess had to have a tremendous amount of courage to work with somebody who is going to hate him. Now, we already know he's got a tremendous amount of courage because he can hate just as well as Steve can. Now me, I'm not much of a player when it comes to hate. You, you, can't, you won't get that from me. You've got to find somebody else to hate. I mean, you can, you can hate me, that's fine. But you're not going to get that from me. I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to go that far. You're just not that important to me. I mean, I love you and everything, but I do draw the line. I will only go so far. I will not cut off my head to make you happy. You're just going to have to find some other way to be happy but there are some people who will. There are some people who will hate. It's like, okay, well, great. Then guess who you're going to attract? Guess who's gonna play the game with you? Guess who is going to you know, be your delivery boy? And it works both ways. Well, you know, Steve goes over to Jess's, rings the bell, candy gram for Mr. Jess. You know, Jess goes, that's not a candy gram, and we go through the whole thing again. So it, it just all works perfectly, and that's the beauty of this work. What we have to do when things don't go as they're expected, which is almost all the time, where it's sooner or later, it is inevitable that things will not go as they're expected to go. At that point, don't stay upset. Yes, fine, get upset, but don't stay upset. That is our mistake. That was the mistake that Steve made with Jess. He didn't make a mistake in being upset when Jess delivered the candy gram. He made a mistake in staying upset and carrying that box of candy, great candy around and eating little chocolates one after another and savoring, oh, this is a good one. Oh, this is one of those all day suckers. I'll have this one for months. And oh, how about this one here? And oh, these are my favorites. So he really sucked down that and he enjoyed those. You know, and he swirled them around and he tasted them and he smelled them and he petted them and he hid them away from the kids so they didn't get any. And then every once in a while the kids would come out. Well, what's the problem, Dad? Well, that's Jess. And he'd pull out the candy box and they'd all have one. Oh, yeah, well, let's have one. Here, Tammy, you have one too. Oh, yes, uh, Jess, he's terrible. Everybody ate the candy. Are you with me? <laughs> I'm making this up as I go along, so. Because this is the way I see it. Okay? This is the way the work manifests in my brain. This is the way it happens for me. I start to see these things like, this. yes, this is what we're doing. This is the food we're eating. The candy gram that he delivers is the food that we're eating. We keep on eating it. We don't throw it out. We keep eating it. It's our continual feeding on this kind of food that makes the problem, that leads to the hate, that leads us down, 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 down to the mechanical lives and to the insanity that they live in because there's, there's very little light down there where they live. So they can't really see their way around. They can't really see their way clear to do anything sensible. That's why mechanical eyes are so stupid. They're living in the darkness. So to attempt this, one must be conscious to oneself. What does it mean to be conscious to oneself? We, this isn't the way we talk. Okay, I want you to be conscious to yourself. What do you mean? You mean be conscious of myself? No, be conscious to yourself. What I mean is, make a distinction between yourself and yourself. So for me, that will be to make a distinction between Parkinson and I. But, but I am Parkinson. Well, no, you're not. That's where you make the distinction. Parkinson is this. I am something that is now looking at Parkinson. I am something that is now willing to look at Parkinson and what he does. This is huge, people. This is a big step. Just to be willing to look at yourself is very, very big. I'm not talking about being willing to look in the mirror and primp. I'm not talking about being, look, being, being willing to listen to what other people say about how wonderful you are and agree. And I'm talking about listening to other people say how wonderful you are and then disagreeing. I'm talking about looking at yourself, being willing to make a distinction between Parkinson, in my case, and I. In your case, it would be Oglethorpe and I, or whatever your name is, Nimrod, <laughs> whatever. If I take everything Parkinson as I, life's changing events dominate me. So what does that mean if I take everything Parkinson as I? Well, think about that. If I take everything Parkinson, well, what is everything Parkinson? You know everything Parkinson. Oh yeah, well, you, you're sure, you know everything Parkinson because you're out there looking at him. You go, well, that's him. You know him when you see him coming. I don't. I have to step outside, which is hard to do, and see him coming. And so what we do at first is we step outside and we see him going. We see where he's been. We don't see him coming. We see, where he's we see his back. We see what he's done. And then we learn by seeing what he's done, we learn what he does, how he walks, what he looks like. And then we start to see him coming. First we hear him coming. And then we kind of can smell him coming. And then we can kind of taste him coming. And then sure enough, there he is. We see him coming. And then he walks right over us. And we go, what happened? <laughs> what happened? I felt like i been hit by a linebacker. Well, that's right, because you were. Because observing eye is very little in the beginning. You, that thing, walks right over it. It's like David and Goliath. Boom, 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 just squashes. So if I take everything Parkinson as I, and life's changing events dominate me, then I'm a machine. Because life's changing events dominate me, which makes me a machine run by life's changing events. If, on the other hand, I can separate from everything Parkinson, or just from a couple of things Parkinson, and see that life is dominating, life's events are dominating him, then that right there, that separation is what makes the difference. I can't stop life's events from dominating him. I can't stop that linebacker from walking over me. But I have seen it, and I have not been it. That is the shoehorn of this work. That's how you get your shoes on. That's how you get your work shoes on, with a shoehorn because they don't fit at first. Because, my feet are too big! <laughs> how will you protect this small child that is the work? Protect it from life, so that it may develop. This becomes our question. This little observing eye that wants to, you know, looking at this linebacker, bearing down on him. You may as well be standing on train tracks. Oh, I see the light. No, that's the train. <laughs> you know, it's the train, train. <laughs> Run away as the train, but you can't run away you have to stand and observe as that train Bears down on you and runs over you, but that's okay. It's easy to say isn't it? I must protect the work from what from Parkinson I have to protect the work from Parkinson well But you just said how do you protect the work from life? Well, who do you think life is? Parkinson is life. Okay. Well, let's put it this way. Let's say I've got a hammer And let's say that I take the hammer and I smack this window, and the window breaks. What broke the window? That's a question. Well, the hammer did. The hammer broke the window. So, but what swung the hammer? Life swung the hammer. Parkinson is the hammer. Life is swinging the hammer. The hammer doesn't have anything to do with it. It's life that's swinging the hammer. Parkinson doesn't have anything to do with it. Because he's a machine, life is using the machine to smash the windows. See, things happen that we don't expect. But broken windows, broken everything. Look at life. It's broken, people, just in case you hadn't noticed. It's not going the way we expected it to go. Who expected this big war in Iraq to kill so many thousands of people? Well, somebody did probably. But somebody else didn't. And then what they did expect about that didn't go the way they expected it. So nothing goes the way we expect it all the time. So eventually it doesn't go the way we expect it. To do this, I must separate from Parkinson, which is the mechanical personality. The work cannot be added to Parkinson. I have to separate from Parkinson. The work cannot be added to Parkinson. We cannot open up Parkinson's head, pour in the work, and then have Parkinson be healed. It doesn't work that way. That's not what this is about. This is what every other self-help thing that I've ever seen is about. It's about fixing Parkinson. Parkinson, according to this work, can't be fixed. There isn't any fixing Parkinson. What you have to do is separate from him. And when you do that, something new is born. And that something new then needs to be protected from Parkinson until it can develop and stand on its own so that Parkinson can't kill it. Now, what is Parkinson? It's just the hammer. It's no big deal, nothing to get identified with. It's the hammer of life. Well, the hammer will break eggs, why? Because that's what hammers do when they meet eggs. The hammer will break windows, why? Because that's what hammers do when they break windows. Doesn't mean the hammer's bad, doesn't mean anything other than that's a hammer. This all, hopefully, will make sense by the time I'm done. It should be beginning to make sense now, but remember, this is about wrapping all this up together. And I've got to hurry because it's almost the end of the year here. (laughs) (laughs) We like to start the new year with all this wrapped up. So we start with Parkinson. See Parkinson. Become different from Parkinson. Then a place is made inside for the work. Parkinson will never understand this work. Parkinson will ruin this work. What we don't realize or what we do realize, and this is what causes people to put the brakes on, around this work, is they sense, it doesn't consciously dawn on them, but they sense deep inside of themselves that this work will ruin Parkinson. They sense that and the brakes are on. It's like, no, because they like Parkinson, or whatever, Oglethorpe, whatever your name is. So we start with seeing Parkinson, becoming different from Parkinson, then a place is made inside for the work, and then Parkinson, doesn't understand that and then he'll try and ruin it. Our choice is to ruin the work or be ruined by the work. If our third force is life, it will direct Parkinson to ruin the work. I promise you, if your third force, if third force in you is life, it will direct you to ruin the work and you will do it because you can't stop it any more than that hammer can stop going through that window when life is swinging it. If your third force is the work, it will ruin Parkinson or Oglethorpe or whatever you are. Life and Parkinson cannot be separated. The hammer cannot be separated from the hand that's holding it and swinging it. Because life does that. Life made that hammer. Life made that hammer in the in Life Hammer Factory. That is an acquired hammer. Life makes hammers all day long. Life makes thousands of hammers every second. Life is cranking hammers out. Well, but life is also killing hammers. Yes, but it's making more than it's killing. How do we know that? Look at the population of the earth. It's growing, not shrinking. So life is making more hammers than are being destroyed. That's the way it's happening. Life makes hammers. We then get identified with the hammer. The way to freedom is to separate from Parkinson or Oglethorpe. A new thing grows apart from Parkinson or Oglethorpe. It can understand the work. It can be nourished by the work. And then, as it is nourished by the work, it begins to grow and develop. Then it becomes something. And Parkinson then, it's his job, directed by life, to put the hobnail boots on to find it and stomp it to death. Just like Herod sent his soldiers to go kill all of the children to make sure that he got the one who might be king and supplant him. Wow, those dumb guys back then knew this stuff? They didn't even have Gurdjieff. How did they figure that out without Gurdjieff? Gee, I don't know. It's amazing though. Self-observation is the seeing of Parkinson. Observing eye doesn't identify with what it sees. Because I observe doesn't mean that I can change what I see any more than I, it means that by looking at the sun in the sky, I can change its surface temperature. But we still think that by looking at ourselves, we're gonna be able to change ourselves. But you have to get this into your head. No, you cannot, you cannot change yourself by looking at yourself, this is not what we're doing, this is not some new self-help thing, this is not some new self-help guru's book, some new self-help guru's technique, this is not that at all, this is something totally different from that, this comes from outside of that whole life system, that whole, you can help yourself, you can be successful, you can do seven figures in seven days, seven years, seven minutes, seven seconds, seven steps, whatever seven habits whatever this is not that this is not anything like that but it sounds like that but it's not that you can't change what it is you can't change what you are but by observing it something new can be born and formed and develop your sense of I can then be shifted from Parkinson or Oglethorpe or whatever into that and it is shifted into that it migrates slowly into that that's what happens No inner stop is possible without a place where we can separate from Parkinson. Inner stop is possible through fear, but that's not real inner stop. Now, what does that mean? Interstop is possible through fear. Okay, here's what it means. The police officer pulls you over, and he starts to write you a ticket, and he tells you what a jerk you are, and what a crappy driver you are, and you're, you ought to go to jail, and you're lucky he's not hauling you in right now, and maybe he's just going to do a field sobriety test, and he doesn't care whether you've been drinking or not. He can still take you to jail, if he even suspects that you can. And he starts flexing his law muscles, and he starts you know, doing his little law dance, and all of a sudden, you just really get upset. And you want to grab him by the throat and give him a good thrashing. But you don't because you're afraid. And so you make inner stop. But that's not real inner stop. Real inner stop is the work. And it's an internal choice that comes from consciousness. It doesn't come from fear. So people go, oh, yeah, I can make inner stop. Sure you can. You cannot tell the president what you think of him when you meet with him. You cannot send a telegram to him telling him you'd like to kill him. You, can, you cannot do that. Because you know that if you do, there'll be agents at your door hours after you send it. Because that's what will happen. So you cannot do that, but it's out of fear, or you cannot do that because you got half a brain and you found it. You know, you have it. You have possession of it for the moment. When we begin to observe ourselves genuinely, we begin to distinguish between outer and inner. We begin to distinguish between our feet and our eyes. Is this all making sense? A workroom is the place that we have to have where we can separate from Parkinson good. And now we begin to see, we begin to see the difference between inner and outer. We begin to see the difference between our feet and our eyes. We then enter the work. We begin to see our task. We have insight. We have closed off the outside sight through the senses. And we now have insight. We can see into ourselves. We were blind, but now we see in ourselves. And we begin to see that we can make a place inside of ourselves separate from Parkinson, separate from Oglethorpe, and that that place then begins to grow. Something grows in that place. And we need to keep that place pure. We need to keep that place sealed off. We need to keep that place hermetically sealed from life, because life will get in there and poison it. It'll poison the air, because that's what life does. Life doesn't grow this thing. The work grows this thing. Life grows hammers. The thing about all this is, it's not words. It's not saying, it thinks, it feels, blah, 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 blah. It's not the same thing as having the feeling of I in it. See, what I find in this work is what people do is they start to say. They don't say, well, I think this, or I think that. They say, well, there's some I that thinks this. Well, it thinks this, and it thinks that. But their feeling of I is still in that. They're lying. What we do best is we take the work and we put it in Parkinson, in Oglethorpe. We add it to him, and we end up lying about the work. We say, it thinks this, it thinks that, but they're just words. Because we are not really observing. We're not really separated from it. We haven't really gotten into that little work room. We're just saying it. Why? Because that's the easy thing to do. That's what Parkinson or Oglethorpe always does. Self-remembering draws our feeling of I out of the inner states. Real self-remembering is a state of consciousness that lifts us our feeling of I, that lifts our feeling of I right out of the negative state. It just draws us out of it like it draws poison out of a wound. Just draws us out of it like the little mouse drawing the, the, the thorn out of the lion's paw. It just pulls us right out of it. It lifts us out of the state, our feeling of I, so that the, the state no longer has power over us. Identification is putting our feeling of I into what happens. Instead of saying, P is angry, we say, I am angry, or you made me angry is more accurate. We don't say, I'm angry, we say, you made me angry, which is even worse. Now we're that much more removed from actually being able to observe ourselves. So we're not even close to observing ourselves. At least when they say, I'm angry, at least you are acknowledging that you are angry. You're not blaming it on somebody else. You may be indirectly blaming it on somebody else, but it's a step that you could take towards self-observation. It's not self-observation. Any more than saying P is angry is self-observation. If you say P is angry and your sense of I, your feeling of I, is not in that anger, then you're really saying P is angry. But if you're just saying P is angry and your feeling of I is in that anger, then it's just words. Do you see the difference? And this whole, everywhere I look in this work, it's words, just words. People, all of us, all of us. It's words for us. But we need to get beyond words, and we have gotten beyond words. We have the experience from time to time of getting beyond words and of having it be real. And that needs to be stored in work memory. How does it get stored in work memory? Oh, it's stored in work memory. It doesn't get stored in work. We don't put it there, it's there. It's there because feeling put it there. Real emotion put it there. It embedded it into that. I think I've said all this before. Well, There you go. It's a (laughs) 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 wrap-up. What I told you this was going to be. We're wrapping all this up for the end of the year. We begin to reach a stage where we see something start, but we don't go with it. We remove our feeling of I from the thought, from the feeling, from the mood. Why why, Why is it that Steve doesn't hate Jess? Rebecca, ask Steve if he hates your dad. No. Do you believe him? I believe that I. I believe that I. <laughs> oh, boy. How old are you? <laughs> 17. 17. Oh, man. You're ruined. That's what ruins people. You start to, this work starts to ruin. It will ruin you. If you can run away, do it now. <laughs> you know? Really, if you can, I mean, somebody said to me the other day, oh, you, you don't really mean that. Oh, yes, Curtis said that to me the other day. I said, look, if you can run away, do it now. If you can run, go. Save yourself. Run now, I can't, it's too late for me. The garbage disposal has already got me and it's sucking me in, you know. Chip or shredder, it's already got me, it's sucking me in, there's no way out for me. But save yourself, let go of my hand, stop listening to these podcasts, stop listening to my voice. Don't read anything about the work. Save yourself now, if you can. Or better yet, go find a work group. (laughs) You wanna save yourself? Go find a work group. Because my guess is, if you can find a work group, You'll save yourself. That's my guess. Oh, I know I'm going to take flack for that. Can we just go to the mall? Go to the mall, sure. (laughs) Whatever your work group is. Whatever. Whatever works for you is fine by me. We may not yet stop the feeling, the thought, the mood, but we don't have to go with them. This is only for people who really work. This is not for people who imagine that they're working. This is not for 99 out of 100 people who listen to these podcasts, who read the books, who go to work groups. This is for the one out of a hundred who is actually working, not who's imagining that he's working. Now, those other 99, they may have work, and they may work again. But if you allow imagination to get in, it's like cancer. It eats up everything. It will eat up every good cell there is until it finally kills the host. This work is dangerous. I promise you that because it's real. And anything real is dangerous. Toy guns are not dangerous. They can be, but they're not anywhere near as dangerous as real guns. And real guns that are loaded are even more dangerous. Now, real gun is dangerous. You go into a supermarket with a toy gun and you say, Give me all your money. You know, somebody may, you could, could be dangerous. You could go to jail for that. You go into a supermarket or a bank with a real gun. And you point it and point it at somebody. Even if it's not loaded, it could it could be more dangerous. If somebody recognizes that's not a real gun and they go, "Hello, that's not a real gun," you go, "Oh, just kidding," you know. But if somebody sees it's a real gun and they say, "Is that loaded?" and you go, "No, it's not loaded." Well, then get out of here. And of course, that's not going to happen in America, but in some Latin American countries, it could happen. You know, in some places, it could happen. Here, it pro- probably can't happen because we're so violent. But in other places, it could happen where people would just. Say, they'd smile and say, that's not a real gun, get out of here. You know, they would treat you like you were behaving, like a little child. But you go into a, a bank with a real gun and it's loaded, you're really asking for trouble because there are other people in there with real guns, and they're really loaded, and they'll use them. And they have radios, and they can call other people with real guns, bigger real guns that are loaded with even more stuff, and they'll use them too. So it's a dangerous proposition playing with a loaded gun, and this work is a loaded gun. It's powerful because it's real. Now, you can mess with self-help books all you want. You can mess with self-help gurus and seminars and stuff all you want. You're not in much danger. Well, you could lose a few bucks. You could lose a few years thinking that you were gonna get something done when you actually get nothing done. But in the end, you don't really lose it because that goes to your education. That goes to the cost of your education. That goes to the part, part of your education. Because if you get it, if you get that's not it, then you were educated, then it's worth it. It's not so bad. Enjoy yourself. But remember, it's later than you think. The longer that one is in the work, the more danger there is in imagining one is working when one is not. This has been my experience. The longer that someone is in the work, I get letters and emails from people who have been in the work as long as I have. And I don't get it. It's like, guy, you're not doing it. Well, yeah, but I know all about it, and I've read all the books, and I met this guy, and I met that guy, and I was in this group, and I was in that group. Yeah, but you're not doing it. Yeah, but, I, but it doesn't matter, because I know all this stuff. The danger is to die in the work, when the object is to be born in the work. It's not to die in the work. Yes, die in the work, but you'd be born in the, you better be born first. Yes, you have to die to yourself, but trust me, that thing that is born is born while Parkinson is still very much alive. So, yes, I have to die to my feeling of I in Parkinson, even just a little. I have to have that happen at least one time for this thing to be born, to be born again, as it were. And then when it's born, I have to die daily for that thing to continue to grow because it's going to eat that. That thing that's growing is going to eat Parkinson. Everything eats something. Either Parkinson's going to eat it or it's going to eat Parkinson. Now, remember, Parkinson is the hammer of life. So life is either going to eat it or it's going to eat life. And of course, the only life that it's going to eat is the life that it can get hold of. And that's going to be Parkinson or Oglethorpe or whatever it is in your case. I hope I'm making sense. I mean, I'm making sense to me. I hope I'm making sense to you. People get older and wear out. What I mean is different. Something else forms in you that gets tired of being identified and stops. See, people get older and they lose their sex drive. It's like, okay, well, I'm not run by that anymore. Well, yeah, but that's only because you're old. You didn't conquer anything. You just got old. So you just wore out. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what this work is about. This work is about doing it, having something else form inside of you that gets tired of being identified and stops. It's not about wearing out and not having your sex drive anymore, wearing out and not having the urge to gamble anymore, wearing out and not having the urge to beat somebody's face in anymore. It's about having the urge and say and looking at that, something has been formed in you that can see that and say, no, I'm tired of that, I'm not going down that road. It's not about getting so old that you can't drink alcohol and be a drunk and fall down in the street anymore. It's about waking up and looking at a bottle of alcohol and saying, there's nothing down that road for me because I know where that leads, and I don't want to go there. That's the difference that this work makes. That comes through work memory, which comes from self-observation. How do I know I don't want to go down that road again through that bottle of Jack Daniels or whatever? Well, how I know is, well, I've been down that road, and there's nothing down that road that I want. Well, but it makes you feel there's nothing down that road that I want, but it makes you feel good. Yes, for about that long, and then for that much longer it makes me feel bad and it ruins my life and does this and it does that. There's nothing down that road for me. Well, but, but that doesn't mean that I can't go down that road. No, have a good time. See ya. I'm not trying to get people to give anything up. This is not about give up drinking, give up meat, give up this, give up that. I'm not asking you to give up killing other people. I'm not asking you to give up anything. I'm asking you to observe Parkinson, or in your case, Oglethorpe. That's all I'm asking you to do. Then you decide what to do from there. It's up to you. It's not my job. You see the state approaching. You know you've been there before. And you don't go with it because you know where it leads. You see the hatred approaching. You've been there before. And you don't go with the little eyes because you know where they're going to take you. And you have decided, this is unacceptable to me. I will not do this anymore. Well, I can't not do it. It's still unacceptable. So maybe I can't not do it. But I can stop right here and sit down in the middle of the road and cross my arms. No. It's not acceptable. That's inner stop. We don't identify with them as fully as once we did. The battle's not over. You just don't identify as fully as you once did. We're becoming sealed from their power. We're becoming separated from their power. That doesn't mean they don't have power over us. It means we're becoming separated, but we still need a clean work area. We still need to keep our boots on because we could lose a toe here. Later, we won't consent to them as we would not consent to taking poison, no matter how deliciously it had been prepared. Later in the work, we won't consent to them at all. But now is a struggle. Now we must practice interstop. stop. But later, we won't consent to them at all. No one could talk us into going with them any more than they could talk us into eating rat poison, even with parsley. You know, when you put it on a really nice plate with a French sauce, and some parsley, and you have uh, the take-home chef serve it to you, or you have, uh, bam, whatever that guy is, serve it to you, or you have, you know, whoever, serve it to you. You go, no, no, that's rat poison. No, no, it's not rat poison. Look at this. Look at the presentation. This is beautiful. No, that's rat poison. I don't want any. You just won't go with it, no matter how deliciously, beautifully it's prepared and sold and presented. You won't go because you will know something from all of this inner stuff. You will know something from all of this stuff that we're putting each other through. You will know this. You will know I can work. And when you know I can work, you got the world by the tail then. You have a handle on something when you actually know you can work. The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to solidrockvista.com to the thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.